Hey, welcome to the Liberal Conservative Podcast. I am Clint Wayne. And I am your co-host, Colt D. So today we're going to be talking about gun control. So this is a pretty big hot-button topic uh, around election time specifically. Both parties generally have pretty separate views. We're going to talk a lot about those things today. So, Clint, you want to take it off? All right, let's jump right in. Okay, so we just said gun control, major hot-button issue. Almost everyone has an opinion. You know, For full disclosure, both Colt and I are hunters, and we both own guns. So the two political parties in the United States, they have generally have vastly different views on gun control. You know, as we know, g- Democrats generally support more restrictive gun laws, while Republicans generally support the right to bear arms. So I believe the main issue with gun violence is not guns. It is society. So gun control has has become way more strict since the 80s, since I was in high school. You know, this just an example. When I was in high school, it was... It was not unusual to see a gun in the back window in the gun rack in the of a pickup in in your school parking lot, and nobody thought anything of it. So you can see how our how our mindsets have changed today. People would lose their minds if they saw something like that. Yeah, going back, the first gun law that really passed in our nation was the National Firearms Act, which happened in 1934. So we've had this law almost in effect for 100 years. And this legislation taxed suppressors, machine guns, and short-barreled weapons in an attempt to uh, uh, curb gang violence. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have heard about like the Valentine's Day massacre and stuff like that. So that was really when uh, Congress started seeing gun violence and trying to take action to prevent it. So after that, there was the Gun Control Act of 1968, which really just set up the uh, federal firearms licensing system. Uh, mainly meaning you can't just buy guns out of your Sears catalog anymore. So your grandparents or some of the older people listening may actually be remember that was used to be a thing. Um, so then after that, there was the 1986 Gun Control Act, which was the, the Hughes Amendment, really, is what I'm going to talk about. It made it illegal to transfer and possess newly manufactured machine guns. So those are the big ones that are still in effect today. Uh, there was the 1994 assault weapons ban during the Clinton administration. Um, I'm sure that's going to get brought up in the comments. But that has since sunsetted, and so it's no longer in effect, so I'm not really going to bring that up. But that was also something that uh, affected the the gun culture. Yes, so let's go back. So you talked about the first gun law in, what, 34. Um, You know, the founders understood that the right to own and bear arms is is fundamental, and it's, it's and it's essential to maintaining liberty as part as are the rights of free speech, you know, free free press, freedom of religion, other protections against government encroachments on liberty that are delineated by the Bill of Rights. Um, however, there are many decisions from multiple courts in the United States that say the right to bear arms is not limitless. So one argument gun control advocates argue is is that the Constitution allows militias to keep and bear arms, but not individuals. So that's kind of the main point that comes from from a lot of the very far um, far left advocates. Um, for example, a guy named Michael Walderman, who is the president of the Brennan Center for Justice at the New York University School of Law, he said that there is nothing about an individual right to bear arms in the notes about the Second Amendment when it was being drafted, discussed, or ratified. However, there is. <laughs> If you think about that, that he said, there's nothing 
about an individual's right to bear arms in the notes about the Second Amendment when it was being drafted, discussed, or ratified. That's totally not valid. I mean, if you think about it, the definition of a militia back then and today are citizen soldiers. Now we generally call them National Guardsmen, and, and I get that. But a militia is a citizen soldier. So his argument is, is null and void, in my opinion. Yeah, I'll definitely agree with you there. So for the listeners that don't know, I haven't really made my political stance known. I generally consider myself a uh, constitutionalist. So I generally very much agree with the writings of the Constitution and how we interpret them from just the Constitution. So I strongly agree with an individual citizen's ability to own firearms. Dating back to the Revolutionary War, the individual colonists were the militias and the ones taking up arms to fight for the country. So I think the Supreme Court has to take the writing of the Constitution and interpret it according to modern times, which in this case is why I believe it, the individual's rights to bear arms are protected by the Second Amendment. Okay, so you brought up Second Amendment, which really gives us the right to have firearms in our homes, it, everything. Okay, so let's talk about the gun control laws. You mentioned the history of gun laws, including the assault weapons ban during the Bill Clinton administration. So in my opinion, most gun control laws are made by people who really know nothing about guns. Uh, you know, for example, the, go the government currently, uh, specifically Biden's administration, seem to have a problem even identifying what an assault weapon is. So what is an assault weapon? So the Brady, the Brady United, BradyUnited.org defines an assault weapon as a semi-automatic gun designed for military use and quick, efficient killing. Assault weapons are uniquely lethal because of their rapid rate of fire and high muzzle velocity, coupled with large capacity magazines, which attach to an assault weapon to allow dozens of shots without needing to reload. A large capacity magazine is typically defined as any magazine or drum that is capable of holding either 10 or 15 rounds of ammunition. So that is BradyUnited.org. Uh, That's how they define a, an assault weapon. In California, they go as far as naming brands of weapons that we can consider assault weapons, um, including AK-47 or an AR-15. You know, before I throw it to you, Cole, I want to clear one thing up. People who are not versed in gun vocabulary believe that an AR-15 is an assault rifle because they believe that AR stands for assault rifle, okay? Or automatic rifle. Some people will tell you that too. Um, it does not stand. It came from a company named Armalite who developed the AR-15 in, in the 1950s. So, but going back to like the definition of BradyUnited.org, um, by their definition, several of my hunting rifles would be considered an assault rifle. You know, in reality, any gun is an assault weapon. Any gun can be used to assault people. Brady United also calls in a semi-automatic rifle an assault weapon. As most of us know, a semi-automatic rifle must have the, the trigger pulled to fire around every time. It, they, they want you to think that these that these can the rate of fire is extremely high. It's only as, as high as you can accurately pull the trigger. So Colt, does that definition work for you? Does this clearly identify an assault weapon for you? Uh, I'll, I'll say no. <laughs> One thing that I at least want to point out to the reader that I've, I think I've realized over the years is the magazine uh, capacity restriction. Why do you think, Clint, that there's that 10 round limitation? Man, it, I, I, think it's, I, I think it's 10 fingers. I think that's why. Probably. Probably. Yeah. So the actual definition of assault rifle comes from post-World War II. 
and without getting too much into a history lesson, it was an added class of a weapon in addition. So they had heavy machine guns, light machine guns, automatic rifles, and then there was an assaulter position who was given an assault rifle. So the actual definition from the military when I was in, and it still stands true, is a military weapon that fires an intermediate cartridge capable of semi and automatic fire that is capable of being used by one person. And that one person clause goes back to, like I was saying, the multi-person, like the heavy entrenched place machine guns. Right. And you did mention the semi and automatic fire. And, and that that holds true. I mean, think, you know, the Brady United org says a semi-automatic weapon is a is a is a an assault rifle. It, in my opinion, it really is not. Military style weapons that are actually used by the military, they have a selector switch that you can switch from semi-automatic to automatic. The guns that you buy, the, the any AR-15 that you buy from the local gun store is not going to have an automatic on the selector switch. It's just not. So, so here's my opinion on this. The real issue we have here in the United States is not assault rifles or, or all guns. The problem is our violent culture, um, especially in the last 10 years with all the defund the police movements. Um, we've had lack of pro- prosecution from of terrorist groups such as Antifa. Uh, we have a lack of prosecution for people who are assaulting police or, or burning down buildings. So that's that's really facilitated us, our country as a whole to become more and more violent. There's no retribution for for violence that occurs on the street. Um, in almost almost without hesitation, I can say almost all the time. There's really not a ton of retribution that's going to take. You know, people. The reason they don't speed down the highway is because they don't want to pay a ticket, right? It's retribution or it's it's punishment. So there really isn't that today. Um, you know, yet if you look at it on the, on the flip side, we'll try to ruin the lives of people such as you remember the McCloskey's in Missouri uh, during the I think it was probably the George Floyd, but it may have been the Ferguson, Missouri. I'm pretty positive it was George Floyd. I don't remember. Yeah, the, I do remember. It, so, you know, they were prosecuted on gun charges when they're defending their home. The protesters had broken through a gated community. I think they were they were going to a politician's house and the McCluskey's lived in the same gated community. Um, and they, they were terrorizing the neighborhood and the McClusties came outside to, to protect their property and they were brandishing guns. I, I watched the entire video. They did not point the guns at anybody. They held them properly, did not have fingers on triggers. Um, but yet they were prosecuted for gun charges. So now you can't even protect your home and there's no retribution. There was no retribution for those people who broke through the, the gated community of the McCluskey's home. So, Colt, what is the issue with all the gun violence in the United States? So, to respond to that, I need to make it clear that I'm actually not an advocate for gun control. Just speaking on a centrist point of view on why our gun control laws don't work. Um, not for why we, we should have them or why we should be fixed, fixing the system. But to answer your question, the United States has a culture of violence. You kind of started talking about it. But dating back to even post-World War One, but there's a ton of instances when this can be brought to light. But our global power, meaning like our word as far as the United States, was backed by our, our uh, military might. And that dates back to even just common everyday citizens. Many people have a standardized response that if something is being done wrong to us, that means we have to use violence. I, I distinctly remember when I was a kid growing up in the South, hearing tons and tons of times, even like just simple, if 
oh, if this person's trespassing on my yard, you shoot him. That that's insane. So, and that, that's I'm not going to dictate if that's right or wrong, but I'm sure you can see how that reflects in our current culture. Um, now, as far as why our gun control laws don't work, most of them ended up being enacted at the state level as opposed to the federal level. Um, with the ease of ordering or access to, say, high-capacity magazines or banned accessories in certain areas, these laws on the state level are effectively void from the start. So, Clint, we haven't really gotten your opinion on why you think the U.S. has such a large problem with gun violence. What are you, What are your your thoughts on it? So, uh, as you said, and, and we both probably have said throughout this this podcast so far that, that we have a culture of violence. And in reality, the world is becoming more violent. So, you know, with the advent of social media, it's made it easier for large groups of extremists on both sides of the aisle, doesn't matter what side you're on, to gather. You know, and these groups largely out outnumber the authorities um, and chaos usually ensues. Do you remember during the George Floyd um, um riots and when they were burning all the buildings down after George Floyd, the the media was trying to be so politically correct. They were like, most of these people aren't doing anything wrong. It's it's, you know, a few a few percentage points of people who are doing things wrong. Well, you're going out there for a specific reason. I don't care what people say, you're going out there to cause mayhem. So we have a culture of violence and we don't have a way to stop it. So I think we are on the same page when it comes to our basic views on gun, on gun control. I'm not an advocate, advocate for gun control, but I think the problem that, I, like I just said in, in our society, is, is the problems, it, these far left and far right groups, they seek a permanent solution to a temporary problem without fear of any consequences. So what I mean is these these. Things that are that that happen that cause the riots. You know, it could be a black person being shot. It can be it can be them mad at at, at the police for some other reason for a traffic stop. There, there's no fear of consequences, and they seek a permanent solution, which is gun violence. You kill somebody, and you take away your own life too because you're going to prison for a temporary problem. Especially nowadays with with the law enforcement. I don't know any law enforcement. I'm sure there are some that do not have body cameras. Body cameras body cameras came into being about the last 5 years I was in law enforcement. And I will tell you what they what they did. It didn't expose more violence or it didn't it didn't expose law enforcement committing violent acts on on people. What it what it did for me was get rid of complaints. People will call in and would call in and say, I did this, the officers did this, the officers did that. And then you'd look at the body cam video and it didn't happen. So so body cam videos or body cam has become a, an, an, a valuable tool for law enforcement. And occasionally it's gonna catch it's gonna catch a law enforcement officer doing something wrong. You remember the Memphis, those officers uh, beat that guy to death two years ago probably in Memphis, um, and, it, and it caught on video. So when those things happen nowadays, we are going to have retribution for the officers. So there's all this this rioting. There's no need for it. It's absolutely no need for it. It, it doesn't. So it doesn't do any good. It ru- it ruins people's lives. And and like I said, it's a it's a permanent solution for a temporary problem. Um, I, I you know, you, you asked my opinion on gun on gun control laws specifically, and I kind of got offhand. So I don't have a problem with gun control laws, f- some of them. So I don't have a problem with background checks. You, you know what? That's that's a that's a compromise that that I think 
gun control advocates and and the right to bear arms people can can agree on. I think most of us, you know, we've we've said before that we are not gun control advocates. I think we can both agree on on background checks. I don't have a problem with that. I don't have a problem with a waiting period when you're purchasing the gun. That takes away the the excited um, or or the passionate killing where you get mad at your boss and you go buy a gun and you and you go shoot him. So that takes away that. Um, it, it, however, that doesn't really fix the problem. It, it, it is almost impossible to find a true number of the percentage of shootings that occur with an illegally obtained weapon. So in my 20-year law enforcement career, I only had one shooting that I personally worked when the gun was legally uh, legally obtained weapon. Um, I know I saw a stat in 2019, which was the last year that we had uh, a lot of the D- Department of Justice statistics come out before uh, COVID, that 270,000 guns are stolen every year from houses. So the problem with gun control laws is the people that they target, which are criminals, they're not affected by the gun control laws because they're not obtaining weapons legally. Yeah, I think that's a pretty common argument that gets brought up within the gun control anti-crowd. I agree, and I go back to it. It's because of the unenforceability of these laws that get put into effect based on our country structure. Well, wrapping it up here, I also want to put out some news. Um, and I want to get your opinion on it, Clint. So two things, actually. Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell, the longest-serving senator ever, is stepping down from his position as Majority Leader. And after this term, he's going to retire. So I'll tell you my opinion on that. I think this is actually pretty good news. Um, I'm not a fan of Mitch McConnell. I think he was a big proponent of uh, party politics uh, during the Trump administration, and actually even before that. So if you remember him during the Trump administration, he was the face of a lot of problems in the Senate. And I think getting new blood in the Senate is uh, long overdue. So, Clint, I want to hear what you think about that. And then secondly, the uh, Illinois Supreme Court, I believe, just banned Trump from being on their ballot as well. So I want to hear what you think about that as well before we close it out. Well, Mitch McConnell, we could have a whole new podcast on on Mitch McConnell. (laughs) So I believe he I'm glad he's leaving. I think so people like Mitch McConnell and Nancy Pelosi and Maxine Waters and and any of the other long serving representatives or or senators, they need to go, you know, to me. And I've told you, we've talked many times term limits to me would be an amazing thing to get rid of these people because I think they come in with good intentions and then they get and then they get wrapped up and they start getting money from lobbyists or start getting insider trading and it turns them corrupt and then they don't have the country's best interest they have their best interest so so that's my opinion on Mitch McConnell I'm glad he's leaving I I think he's stayed he probably stayed 30 years too long you know yeah he's 82 right now yeah and he's leaving at the end of this term so I think he'll be 84 uh, well, it was two years ago. So, he'll be, yeah, roughly 84, 84 ish. So, yeah, and, and it's ridiculous. And how old is Nancy Pelosi? I, I don't know. She's got to be 82 ish, you know. And so, but when you went back, you mentioned the end also, uh, the, the Illinois Supreme Court banning Trump from the, from the ballot. To me, we've, we've mentioned this many times. This is 
party politics, and this is scary to people. This should be scary to anybody, no matter if you like Trump. We've we've made our stance on Trump known, both of us. You know, we we wish he wouldn't run. I, I think it, it's hurting the country, but we are using our our justice system to target political opponents right now, and and it should be this should scare everyone. If 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 somebody hears our podcast and doesn't like it, we could be targeted. Really, you know, you know, I obviously probably not a lot of, a lot of, uh, a lot of senators are hearing our podcast yet, but it could happen. You know what I'm saying? I mean, party politics is a real thing now, and and it's scary. So, well, that that wraps us up. I think we're almost out of time. Well, we are out of time. We're 25 seconds over. So not a bad not a bad deal. So. Thanks again for everybody, for all my listeners. I, I man, I appreciate you guys. We had we had ten new listeners in the last twenty four hours. Sent ten new subscribers in the last twenty four hours. Pretty impressive. Really good day. So thank you a lot. Uh, appreciate you being here again, Colt. Um, next week, or I guess it'll be two weeks. We'll we will come back at you with a new topic. And I appreciate you coming. You know, I mean, closing, Colt. Nope, I just. Hope to be back on two weeks, and I will uh, we'll have a good episode for the listeners. All right, thank you guys. Have a good one. I will see you in two weeks.